Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, August 29th, 2022, the 586th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and thank you to all of you who are listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator, .substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. You will be supporting me and the work I do and this show as it expands. And if you don't want to do that or you can't do it, I release the podcast and all the writing a few days later all over the place online. So it is just about supporting this show and the work I'm doing. And I appreciate the hell out of all of you who have stepped up to do that because it helps me so much. So let's get started. When I first began the podcast, and this is before I began High Noon, which was when I began doing it five days a week. This is just when I was doing episodes here and there in Los Angeles, trying to get a bearing on what I wanted the show to be, especially as the world was changing at the beginning of COVID. And one of the first things I remember saying was, I'm not trying to convince you that I'm right. I'm trying to convince you that your previously held notions might be wrong, okay? I care only about the awakening. 
I just want people thinking for themselves and operating on the best possible factual information, knowing that we'll never have perfect information and that people have had different experiences and are ultimately going to reach different conclusions. All of that is fine. I don't require ideological conformity with my ideology or my ideas or my beliefs or my experience. Okay. That is not the point of me doing this. I like it when people think I'm right, because that lets me know that I'm on the right track and other people can see what I'm seeing. But being right is not the most important thing. People waking up and thinking for themselves is the most important thing. I want this show to be about information and I want you to know what's going on in the world and I want you to consider different ways to think about it. But my other goal and the thing that I think is most important is that I want people to have the ability to navigate these conversations because you're going to get the same responses from the child brains and the communists every time. They have a limited series of arguments because the things they believe aren't true and aren't provable. So if they can't shout you down or shut you up or get themselves out of the conversation or get a crowd to bully you and dominate the conversation, they can't win. Okay. There isn't an argument they can win, at least not on the actual substance and the morality and how it relates to the real world we're all living in. And their dominant position in culture and in the media and in academia, none of that comes from them having the best arguments. It comes from them using a certain series of tactics over and over and over and using those tactics very effectively. It is always avoiding the substance. And they are more than happy to gaslight you. They are more than happy to tell you that they are right no matter what. And there's no better example of that than Scott Adams. I think I may have mentioned this tweet on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but I want to read it again because I'm going to discuss Sam Harris a little more today and a few other figures having, quote unquote, this conversation with fairly large platforms. And I want to be able to blast through all this stuff because none of it has any substance and we have to see it for what it is. I don't want to get caught up in this mainstream hewing to the central narrative as the central narrative shifts in our direction. Okay, the central narrative is always moving and it will respond to public pressure because it needs to be taken seriously by enough people. The key is not arguing that the edge of the central narrative should be a little further over. The key is getting outside of the central narrative altogether. So here's the Scott Adams tweet. He says the lowest awareness take on vaccinations is that the people who feared the jab were the brave ones. The high awareness take is that everyone was acting on fear and everyone was guessing what path was safest. No one outthought anyone. It was just fear and guessing. And that's a very convenient position for Scott Adams to take because Scott Adams was a public vaccine supporter that tried to call everyone else stupid conspiracy theorists. We were not afraid, Scott Adams, of the vaccine. That's not because we ignored the science or we didn't trust the science. 
We looked at the science and didn't trust the science that was being screamed at us on television commercials and billboards from idiots that we already realized we didn't and couldn't trust. And that is the exact same thing we did when it came to COVID and lockdowns and school closures and business closures and masking. That was us looking at the science, understanding the fear narrative being pushed by the television and rejecting that fear narrative based on the underlying science and our observations of the empirical reality in front of us. People were not dropping dead on the streets, despite the fact that we were shown that from China. We knew the tests didn't work and produce 90% plus false positives. We saw the narrative. We saw the goals. We saw the agenda. There's nothing confusing or fear-based about that. We realized on a purely rational and scientific basis that fearing COVID was stupid because COVID isn't scary for the vast, vast majority of the people, especially before the vaccine, quote unquote, was released. It was not deadly at all. It was a 99 plus percent survival rate and truthfully much higher than that. 0.1 to 0.3%. That means 99.7 to 99.9% of the people who contracted COVID, not just everybody, but the people who actually got it, 99.7 to 99.9% of those people were going to survive. It had the same infection fatality rate as an average flu. That's the data. You don't have to be scared of that. You don't have to react differently to it than you do to a flu of the same deadliness. Why would you have to do anything different? But instead, we turned the society completely over. Well, what does that mean? That means that there were other motivations at play. And so we addressed those motivations and made decisions for ourselves accordingly, not based on fear. Unless you want to say that fearing a one world global government and a medical autocracy being projected down on us and violating all of the rights guaranteed to us in our constitution as our birthright. Are we afraid of that? Well, okay, maybe, but that's the best thing to be afraid of. I mean, aside from like, a uh, robber with a gun pointed at your kids' heads. Okay, maybe that's scarier, right? There are very personal examples you could make that are scarier. But on a society-wide sense, the takeover, the elimination of our country, the elimination of our borders, full tracking and observation and control by the highest authorities, relying on scientific experts who are practicing science wrong in obvious ways. Well, if we're all afraid of that, Okay, man. All right. Okay. So we are very scared of the science and that's why we didn't want to take the vaccine. But everybody else had a totally rational fear, the fear of COVID. And that's why they did take the vaccine. You see, we were both scared and we made different choices. Our choice happened to be the right one, obviously, for all of the reasons we said at the time, reasons that have not changed as more information has come out. 
It's only made our reasoning more justified and justifiable. That is the reality we're talking about here. But Scott Adams doesn't believe that to be true because Scott Adams believes that he was following the right science the whole time and that the science has changed, but no one's told us about exactly how the science has changed. Ooh, we didn't know that the vaccine wouldn't be safe and effective or that it would be very dangerous, except we did know those things and we weren't scared of COVID. And if you're not scared of the disease, you certainly don't need a vaccine for it. But they went further than that and said that if we don't get the vaccine to not prevent the disease we are not scared of, then we are actually harming all of the people the vaccine won't help who are scared of the disease. And that is our fault. That is our moral responsibility. That is us, I guess, being driven by fear. What Scott Adams is really saying is that he was smart at the time, and that's why he took the vaccine, because he was both a smart person and a good person, and he knew that it was best for the community, right? Placing the community over oneself, that is supposed to be the highest moral good, we are told. And that might actually be a high moral good if you are sacrificing yourself tangibly for the good of the community who you are saving tangibly. You could invent scenarios in real life where you sacrificing yourself might be the morally correct thing to do. And I'm fine with that. I have no dispute with that whatsoever. But you can't apply it to the entirety of society and just say that you are always required to sacrifice yourself on behalf of the community whenever it is demanded of you. And it's not demanded of you by the community. It's demanded of you by the people in the community with the absolute most power. That is what Scott Adams is arguing for. And that is why Scott Adams thinks he's still a very smart and very good person. So Scott Adams claim is that he was wrong for the right reasons and we were right for the wrong reasons. And because now we agree, he agrees now with our position. That means that he was right the entire time as the justifications for the position changed and we were wrong the entire time. And now we are wrong again for taking this viewpoint on what these people are arguing. Now, I spent a good bit of time on this at the end of not last week, but the week before talking about the Sam Harris interview with the podcast Trigonometry. And how that was a complete and total disaster for Sam Harris and that it exposed something about our intellectual elites that needed exposing. They really are this bad. They really are this clueless. They really are this craven and they really are this malicious. And I spent about an episode and a half on that. A lot of coverage. If you want to fill yourself in with all of that. Before this, it might be a good idea, but it's not necessary. Sam Harris came out last week on the 23rd. I guess that would be last uh, Tuesday. And he made a cleanup effort. He recorded a 43 minute long podcast to explain how he wasn't actually wrong at all in his exchange with the trigonometry hosts. 
And I hope this doesn't become tedious, but I really want to go through this because one of Sam Harris's major claims is that people were taking his claims out of context and that he really said something else somewhere else. And so you should see that the context actually really matters. Now, I didn't take Sam Harris out of context at all. On that episode, I played through the full 18 or so minutes of Sam Harris putting forth his position about Trump and Twitter and the Hunter Biden laptop. I covered the entire segment from that 90 minute interview. The entire thing was played and addressed in the podcast episode I did. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to fit the entire thing in this podcast, and I don't think it's worth it, but I want to hit a bunch of spots on this because I really want to make sure that we can see all of the errors in what he's doing and how obvious and superficial and just ridiculous this attempt at cleanup really is. Okay. Well, I seem to have caught a case of Twitter cancer last week. And it was probably Facebook and Instagram cancer too. But I don't look at those platforms. Anyway, I was on someone else's podcast and said some things about Trump and Biden. And those statements produced a fair amount of outrage in a very large group of people. So I think there are a few points I should clarify. There's nothing of real substance to walk back. But the truth is I wasn't speaking very clearly or systematically on that podcast. And in one place I actually misspoke. And as a result, there seem to be a few significant misunderstandings that have gotten amplified. I tried to clarify a few of these points on Twitter, knowing that I would be doing little more than spit in the wind. But I still think it was probably good to attempt this and to do it quickly because several of the articles that got written about the episode noticed those tweets, and so they didn't spread precisely those same misunderstandings. Of course, some people noticed my effort to clarify things and rejected it. At moments like this, I'm always reminded of Nietzsche's aphorism, that when you force people to change their mind about you, they hold the effort you cost them very much against you. This really does seem to be true, and it's pretty maladaptive. We tend to want to hold people to the worst possible interpretation of what they said, even when it's belied by other things they said in context and continue to say. This happens on both the right and the left politically. So everyone got upset at what he said because they misunderstood him. He doesn't have anything real of substance that he needs to walk back. And the problem is that he was taken out of context. And what people did was assume the worst possible version of the thing he's saying rather than what he actually said, or more importantly, what he actually meant now. This is the problem with taking clips of audio or video out of context. Of course, any clip is by definition out of context. That's what a clip is. But many are chosen for the ways they seem to make a point very clearly when the editor knows that the actual point being made is far more complicated or even contradicted by something else the person says a few seconds or minutes before or after the chosen clip. Now, keep that in mind. He's going to come back to that. 
The argument he's making is that he said the thing and its opposite, so you should assume the other thing. Except he didn't really do that, and he still argues on one side for the thing you heard him argue for in the original clip. And so I want to play the original clip now. Sam plays it in his podcast, but he doesn't do it until 20 plus minutes in, even after saying multiple times he was about to play the clip. He keeps setting it up over and over again, which shows his total confidence that Whatever he said is totally explainable, and you'll understand that he was misheard, and you just need to know his whole argument first before you listen to the clip so that you don't get all those wrong ideas, and instead you get all the right ideas first. Here it is. But I can defend everything I say here, because I believe everything I say here, except one word. Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like, even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if, you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right? Or China. It is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in it's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun right i mean like there's just it doesn't even it doesn't even stack up against trump university right trump university as a story is worse than anything that could be in in hunter biden's laptop in my view right now that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the you know the new york post's Twitter account like that. That's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely. It was absolutely right. But I think it was warranted. Right. And I'm and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not Sam, I'm sorry, that particular piece. I'm, I'm is, really yeah. sorry. I, I was the one that said we should move yeah, yeah. on. But you've just oh, said yeah. something I really struggle with, there, which is the, you the, support the, kid, the kids in the basement. You No, no. <laughs> the kids in the basement. I'm interested yeah. in democracy. You're saying you are content with a left-wing conspiracy to prevent somebody being democratically re-elected as president. Well, no, I'm, I'm content. Well, so it's, but the thing is, it's just not left-wing, right? So Liz Cheney is not left-wing, right? Liz Cheney is doing everything in her power. You're content with a conspiracy to prevent somebody no, being democratically it's not like a, No, but there's nothing. Conspiracy, it's not, it, it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does, but it doesn't matter if it was, a, it doesn't matter what part's conspiracy, what part's out in the open. I mean, I think it's like, if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon, you know, if, if it's like if there, if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course. Right. Is that a conspiracy? So that's the clip that Sam Harris has chosen to focus this podcast on again. There was an 18 minute, maybe 20 minute segment of that interview focused on Trump and Twitter and the Biden laptop. And you can go back to that episode. It was Thursday, not last week, but the week before. And you can hear me go through all of that. But I wanted to give the context for anyone who hasn't heard that and hasn't heard the Sam Harris interview. And now let's go back to his cleanup effort. The first five minutes were basically just Sam Harris making excuses and blaming it on other people. 
And then his argument begins around five minutes in. Again, I made this much easier than it should have been by speaking sloppily, which I hope it doesn't seem too self-serving to say I don't do very much. Even when I say something that seems quite extreme, I tend to be fairly precise in how I say it. Consequently, I don't often find myself in the position of having to say that I misspoke. It's true that people sometimes misunderstand or deliberately misrepresent what I actually meant to say, but that's a different problem. Even when dealing with people's misunderstandings or outright lies about what I've said, I'm rarely in a position of saying, sorry, there was actually a word there that was out of place and misleading. So Sam Harris, all the time, thinks his way through all these issues perfectly and usually expresses them exactly how he means them. He almost never, ever makes any mistakes when speaking. And just this one time, he said one wrong word and the whole thing got taken out of context by really malicious people. And because many people are now accusing me of believing things I don't believe and of supporting things I don't support and of generally being a hypocrite. For instance, many people are saying that I used to be committed to truth and honesty. I wrote a whole book about how bad it is to tell lies. But now I'm in favor of lying, apparently, and censorship. And I'm actually open to destroying our democracy, too. This is all bullshit. So apologies in advance if you find this boring. I actually find it an interesting experience to go through. Being engulfed by a tsunami of hatred definitely gets your attention. And you get to see who your friends are, and who is almost your friend, and who your former friends were always in the process of becoming. And you get to see otherwise smart and decent people deranged by rather sickening political and financial incentives. Well, Sam Harris has just described himself perfectly. That is who Sam Harris is at this point in time. Maybe it's who he always is. I said on that podcast episode, Sam Harris used to be an intellectual hero of mine. I've read his books. I listened to his podcast for many years. But now he's consumed by a tsunami of hatred, totally unjustified, by many people that used to be very smart but now aren't because they can't understand that Sam Harris is still right no matter what. But now these people have been deranged by rather sickening political and financial incentives. Well, what has so deranged you, Sam? That's the question. And it seems to always be Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. Why do those particular things upset you so very much, Sam? And you get to see the strengths and weaknesses of your own business model and your own place in the world, really. It's not an experience I recommend exactly. If you can avoid being burned as a digital witch, I suggest you avoid it. So even some of his friends were upset with him. He's happy about his business model, and I'm happy about his business model, too, because he is engaging with the free market. And I imagine he probably lost a bunch of subscriptions for the interview that he gave, where he did tell the truth about what he believed. And it is all backed up by the rest of Sam Harris's work and thought and speech on the subject. He is calling himself the victim of a digital witch hunt for something that he said and meant and is defending. That is not at all the same 
as being canceled by platforms for which Sam Harris prescribes more censorship. And he says he doesn't recommend this experience to anyone. Well, I've had this experience. In fact, I've had a much worse version of the experience, certainly not in scale, but in terms of the effect it had on my life. And I think probably most of you have had the experience too, because Sam Harris went a little too far. He didn't mean to upset the party of false decorum, but he did anyway. So now he's being attacked. That's not remotely the same as actively thumbing your nose at the party of false decorum and telling them why they're all wrong and why they're all assholes about it. Sam Harris is not the victim of a witch hunt. He is being criticized for something he said and meant in a public forum. But it really does have a silver lining if you've played your cards right. First, I should probably play the clip that went viral because this is what everyone is reacting to. So this is minute seven. He still doesn't play the clip for another 13 minutes. (laughs) Before going any further, I should really play the clip. But now let me give you 13 more minutes of why I'm not wrong before I let you hear it. I emphasize again that I usually speak very precisely, even when I seem to be saying something extremely provocative. For instance, I've said on several occasions that I think Donald Trump is a worse person than Osama bin Laden. Now, the statement is obviously meant to get your attention. I get that it's surprising, but it's not meant to be hyperbolic. I can defend every word of a statement like that. What I can't defend are people's misunderstandings and erroneous extrapolations of a statement like that. So according to what Sam Harris has seen on TV and read in the mainstream media, and according to the conversations that he's had with people like Michael Hayden, the former director of the CIA, who just last week was encouraging Donald Trump's assassination. Donald Trump is worse than Osama bin Laden. And Sam Harris likes making statements like that because they are provocative. And then he gets to argue why that's true. And he thinks because he has an argument for why that preposterous statement might be true, that means that it is true. And he would maybe be right about that if all of the premises of the argument were in fact true, except none of them are. And as you'll see, Sam Harris has no idea what he's talking about. Perhaps I should just clarify that statement again, because it actually goes a long way to explaining my view of Trump, why I think he's such a terrible person, but not nearly as scary as some people think he is, and not nearly as scary as many people think I think he is. He's a terrible person, but not as scary as most people think that he is or most people think that Sam Harris thinks he is. So it turns out he's not that scary. Yes, Sam Harris talked about him as if he was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and that we were all going to die if Donald Trump once again resumed his rightful position as president of the United States of America. But he's not that scary. You see, he's just a really, really, really bad person, according to Sam Harris, for reasons that the television constantly agrees with and that the Atlantic and the New York Times totally agree with. And because Sam Harris has all the people like him, the smart people, the very serious intellectuals on his side, he's right. 
because then all the premises would be true, except all those premises are only true within the false reality. They're not true in the real world. And Sam Harris can't actually prove them true. That's the part he doesn't know or understand. He is in an information bubble inside Twitter, inside his very serious intellectual enclave. That's all of the information, the sum total of information in the entire world, according to people like Sam Harris, because he only ever accesses the central narrative and the central narrative contains all the information worth knowing and all the information outside of that is disinformation and not worth knowing. It should be ignored at best, or you can be like Sam Harris and go on a mission to defeat all that disinformation. But either way, Sam Harris is utterly clueless about all of the things he doesn't know that he doesn't know. And of course, that could be said of anyone, which is why it's important to have some degree of humility when you are making really extreme arguments based only on faulty premises and you can't defend the premises very well. I think Osama bin Laden was a more or less normal human being psychologically. He was just living in the grip of a dangerous and idiotic worldview. The moral structure he imagined he was living under and wanted to impose on the rest of the world, given his beliefs, was despicable. So he created immense harm, and it's very good that we killed him. But within the framework of his odious beliefs, he demonstrated many virtues. He was a man who certainly seemed to be capable of real self-sacrifice, and he was committed to ideals beyond his narrow self-interest. He was, by all accounts, personally quite courageous. I don't claim to know that much about him. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was generally a person of real integrity and generosity and compassion in his dealings with his fellow Muslims. So in Sam Harris's worldview, the problem here is Islam alone and Osama bin Laden's purported adherence to the Islamic system and that being the justification for what he has done, which is orchestrate a plot to hijack planes and blow up buildings and take down the World Trade Center and destroy our economy and blah, 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 blah. Now, let's take all of that as just automatically true, understanding that it is not automatically true, obviously. But Sam Harris is saying that despite his actions and his beliefs, Osama bin Laden actually had a lot of virtues. Now, I am not a professional philosopher, but I studied philosophy. I don't think that there is a grand theory that describes how someone can lead a virtuous life even though their actions and beliefs are both abhorrent. I don't think this is possible, but Sam Harris apparently believes it is. Now, is there anyone that Sam Harris wouldn't make that argument for or on behalf of? Would Sam Harris make that argument on behalf of Hitler? I mean, everybody's mom thinks that they're a good person for the most part. People's friends generally think those people are good people. Everyone can find 
admirable human qualities in nearly every other person. And Sam Harris at least believes that he's doing a really good job of that on behalf of Osama bin Laden right here. Now, I'll give him a little bit of credit. The only reason that he's making this argument on behalf of Osama bin Laden is to prove that he's very, very open minded before he calls Trump far worse than Osama bin Laden. So he's really setting whatever standards he wants. Osama bin Laden believed abhorrent things and did abhorrent things, but he's probably not that bad a guy in comparison to Trump, who is just really, 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 really bad. None of these things can be said about Donald Trump. Trump is, without question, one of the least honest and most malignantly selfish human beings I have ever come across. And the paradox here, it's not really a paradox, but it's what makes the point I'm making confusing to many people. The seeming paradox is that if Trump were a better person, he would be worse in many ways. You got all that? Donald Trump is just maliciously evil and stupid no matter what. In fact, the worst person that Sam Harris has ever come across, except Sam Harris has, to my knowledge, never met Donald Trump. So his opinion of Donald Trump is based solely on what he has seen in the media and what he knows about politics and what he's observed with culture. Now, observing the Donald Trump phenomenon from inside the upper levels of the party of false decorum or in an environment where you are only in party of false decorum settings, like in a university, for instance, or a government organization, or as I was in Hollywood, you will only get feedback that reaffirms how terrible Donald Trump is. And Sam Harris has never left that bubble. Sam Harris has never tried to talk to a Trump supporter about what it is they actually believe and what they like about Donald Trump. He has never done this. The closest he's ever gotten, again, to my knowledge, right? I have not observed everything he said in the last two years because I stopped listening to him because it became very obvious to me that Sam Harris is missing just huge chunks out of any rational understanding of what's been happening the last seven years. But the closest he's come is having Scott Adams from before on his show so that Scott Adams could tell Sam Harris how smart Scott Adams was for predicting that Donald Trump would win the 2016 election. And then, of course, Scott Adams went semi never Trump for a long time. Very edgy, very centrist. Just stay right there in the middle. Get both sides a little bit mad at you all the time. And then you'll have everyone's attention. They'll think you're the smart one. Ooh, he has really heterodox views. What a smart guy. But Sam Harris has never engaged the pro Trump perspective in any serious way ever. He still thinks of everything in the Democrat Republican paradigm. And he thinks that because there are Republicans who agree with him about his positions, then he represents some sort of element of the right. And therefore, because he also represents elements of the left, he's actually in the center. 
if you just accept that Republicans like Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney are representative of a different viewpoint than your own. They're not different than Sam Harris. They agree with Sam Harris about virtually everything they push for. They might say different things because they're marketing to different people than Sam Harris markets to, but they're the same. They're entirely committed to a globalist agenda. And good twin, evil twin is all that matters. Global communist order versus sovereign nationalism, sovereign economic nationalism. That's the split. Democrat-Republican means absolutely nothing. If you were brave and self-sacrificing and idealistic, if you were capable of being strongly committed to something beyond his narrow self-interest, he would be capable of creating much greater harm in the world. But he's not. He is a child in a man's body. He lies as freely as he breathes and just as compulsively. He can't even put the interests of his children above his own, much less commit himself to any ideal that requires real self-sacrifice. Unlike bin Laden, it is patently obvious that Trump isn't psychologically normal. He really is missing something that almost every other person on earth has. He is an absolute black hole of self-regard. When I say that wherever you are on earth, you could probably walk a thousand miles in any direction and not meet a less admirable human being than Trump. I mean it in the terms I just described. Now, Sam Harris just said a whole lot of nothing. Sam Harris just whined and cried out loud about how mean and bad the mean orange man is. There was no substance there whatsoever, and he cannot support any of those viewpoints. Has Trump sacrificed? Yeah. In fact, who's sacrificed more than Donald Trump? Sam Harris. He goes on to call Trump a grifter. He says Trump is only interested in his narrow self-interest. Well, if he's grifting, if he's trying to profit off the office of president, why did he lose $2 billion while he was in office? Why did he give up his $400,000 a year salary? He didn't take it at all. He gave it to charity. Why did he do that if he's only interested in his narrow self-regard? Sam Harris talks later about how Donald Trump had the Secret Service put up at Trump properties. Well, Trump also stayed at Trump properties because if you're someone who the government has spied on in Trump Tower, you might want to have full security control over the places you stay. But does Sam Harris know that? Of course not, because Sam Harris doesn't care that the Russiagate hoax was a hoax. He's now happy to admit, oh, they might have gotten a few things wrong, but he doesn't play out what any of that means. It actually does matter that the opposition side of the government, the side Sam Harris supports, was spying on Donald Trump in Trump Tower and was spying on Donald Trump's campaign and illegally using FISA warrants to do that. It matters that they were spying on Donald Trump while he was in the executive office of the president after his term started. That matters, just not to Sam Harris, because Sam Harris doesn't know. He's arguing that Donald Trump has failed to support his own children. Really? Well, why aren't they angry with him? 
Why are Eric and Don Jr. supporting their father and his political movement every single day all across the Internet and all across television? Why are they doing that? Oh, it must be because they're grifting, too. Is that it, Sam? And Donald Trump lies as easily as he breathes. According to Snopes, according to the Washington Post and PolitiFact, according to Facebook fact checkers and Instagram fact checkers and Twitter censors, Donald Trump is the biggest liar ever. And you're going to hear this argument all the time from communists and child brains. In fact, Sam Harris says Donald Trump is basically a child's brain trapped in a man's body, which is a child brain. And his best argument in proving that is that Donald Trump is very, very, very mean and bad. Sam Harris is thinking about it like an adult. Don't you understand? But Donald Trump is a liar, according to the fact checks. According to Sam Harris's very special sources, Donald Trump has lied more than anyone ever. Ask people like this when they bring this up. What do you think the most important lie Trump told actually is? Which lie would you like to focus on? Let's just focus on one lie. Which of the lies has upset you the most? Which one do you think is the most blatant and destructive? And allow them to answer. What is going to happen? Will they have an answer? 90% of the time, I would bet they do not have an answer about what Trump has lied about that was so bad. They just understand that it is part of Trump's identity that Trump is a liar. They don't know that Trump lies. They don't know what he lies about, and they don't know how he lies. Sam Harris, I'm sure, has a few examples that he could discuss, but most people don't. They just know that he's a liar. It's true that Trump is a liar. Therefore, Trump is a liar. And it's true that Trump is a liar because the authoritative source tells you over and over and over again that he is. But Trump's not a liar. In fact, Trump has been so truthful about such difficult subjects that his presence in American society has helped to spawn this great awakening of truth throughout society. That didn't happen because Donald Trump is a rampant liar. That happened because Donald Trump was telling the truth about the most important subjects in the world, the ones the media lies about all the time. So, of course, they're going to call him a liar. But the media lies about absolutely everything. The media has not been correct or insightful about a single important issue in the last seven years and probably much longer. But Sam Harris just takes their account of it and says Donald Trump's a liar and therefore everybody else who follows him must not only be a liar, but too stupid to figure out that they're lying in the first place. Except, hey, Sam, that's you. The man is almost completely lacking in personal virtue. If he weren't funny, and I admit he can be funny, he might actually be the least admirable person on earth. The least admirable person on earth. He might actually be the least admirable person on earth. Now, some of this is just my opinion, of course, but much of it isn't. Okay, to say that Trump lies incessantly and with a velocity almost never encountered anywhere else in human life is a fact. It is demonstrable. It is nearly self-evident and has been for decades. It is as true and uncontroversial as saying that he's around six feet, two inches tall.
I realize that when I say this sort of thing, it sounds like an expression of personal hatred and of my own political partisanship. But it is neither of those things. I don't hate Trump. I hate the fact of him. I hate the space he occupies in our world. So none of it is his opinion. It's all just true that Trump is this bad. So what you really have to deal with is knowing he's this bad and then how to respond to it. But you just always assume from the beginning that Donald Trump is the worst person in the world, the worst person in the world, worse than Osama bin Laden. But Sam Harris doesn't hate him. Because Sam Harris knows that it's bad to hate people, and Sam Harris is not the kind of person who would hate. In fact, Sam Harris has a meditation app, which means that it's not possible for him to hate. He's not the bad guy, no matter what. Trump is the bad guy, and you have to understand that. And as long as you agree that Trump is the worst person in the world, then none of it is even opinion. You're just stating the fact. It's true that Trump is the worst person in the world. He just hates the fact of Trump. He hates that Trump exists. He doesn't hate Trump. He just thinks he's the worst person in the world and shouldn't exist, but he doesn't hate him. He hates the fact of Trump. He hates the space Trump occupies in our world. If Sam Harris extended that to Trump supporters, which he does, he really only has to start calling us termites and speaking German to understand what this hate movement really is. But the last thing he said there is key. He hates the space that Trump occupies in our world. Now, why does Trump occupy so much space? Well, because the media and all of the elite culture and the most powerful people and institutions in the entire world are all hell bent on destroying Donald Trump and have been from the beginning. And their effort in attempting to do that is unceasing. They have not stopped or slowed even a bit. In fact, they keep ramping it up to the point where even now, 19 months after Trump has, quote unquote, left office, they are still absolutely as obsessed and upset as they were for the entire time before that. And Sam Harris hates it. But rather than blaming the people that are making it that way, he blames Donald Trump and Donald Trump's supporters for doing what they're doing which, by the way, has an overwhelming majority of support in America right now. And somewhere in the dark recesses of the part of Sam Harris's brain that got switched off when he fully joined the false reality, Sam Harris probably knows that, too. I hate what he has done to our politics. Yes, I know his ascendance politically is a symptom of many underlying problems, but he has also exacerbated those problems massively. Trump isn't the answer to wokeness and leftist hysteria, because he has done more than anyone to produce that hysteria. If you want to see how crazy the left can get, just elect Trump for a second term in 2024. Get it? Liberals aren't acting this way because they have children's brains and they don't understand what's happening in the world, and they like to be upset all the time so that they can get their way because there is no other way for them to win with such terrible arguments. That's our fault. We did that to them 
by making Donald Trump a thing. And so if you're worried about wokeness, the solution is not to create a movement that makes sure wokeness is not part of society. It's to give the woke people whatever they want and just push back a little bit in the New York Times every now and then and be very controversial. And by the way, Sam, we find it entertaining when leftists go crazy. It doesn't bother us the way it bothers you. We make fun of them. You're the one who thinks that they have really good points that you need to discuss at length and then come down on the right side of. We have a real problem of populist irrationality and misinformation and tribal lunacy on both the left and the right. Trump has made that problem astronomically worse on both the left and the right. It's not about hating the man. I hate the phenomenon. I didn't hate Trump when he was just a charlatan on The Apprentice. I ignored him. And my criticism of Trump isn't remotely partisan. It isn't even political. Because what I have to say about Trump, I wouldn't say about any other Republican. And many Republicans with whom I disagree about politics share my view of him. The problem is the populist mindset. The people thinking that they know things, thinking that they have the right to agree with very serious intellectuals like Sam Harris. The problem is disinformation and the problem is misinformation. The problem is on the right and the left. And don't you see what you need to be is a very serious intellectual in the center who says that the right is the problem and the left is the problem, but then always sides with the left because it turns out that the solutions to all of the problems are derived from the authoritative source through the science, through the experts, through the news. And it gets right down into your brain where you know it's good information because it came straight from the authoritative source, which is the only way to know. And if you don't believe that, well, you're just being a populist who likes disinformation. You're the problem with our culture, in fact, that you believe all this. You should just trust the experts and listen to the experts, as Sam Harris does. And Sam Harris is basically an expert. He's part of the expert class. He interviews all the experts. He has Yuval Noah Harari, the philosopher king of the World Economic Forum, on his show all the time. Sam Harris was totally bought in to COVID, to the vaccines, to the mitigation strategies, to the election fraud. He doesn't know a thing about that. You'll get to hear more of that in a bit. The January 6th, very violent insurrection, for sure. He must be right about that one, too. He's trusted the experts the whole time, and he believes he's been right to do that the whole time. Same as Scott Adams, because Sam Harris is thinking correctly. He's trusting the experts. He's listening to the science. And again and again and again, he's reaching totally wrong conclusions, obviously wrong conclusions, because all the information is bad and there's no one there to argue with him because he's in a censored little bubble of conversation. His information environment is totally polluted. What exists inside is propaganda and what exists outside is ignored. It's just written off as disinformation. No one needs to know it. No one needs to contend with any of it. We'll have all the answers just right inside the bubble. They must all be contained in there, even though there's all the information outside of it. It would be like thinking that the only store you ever need is Walmart. And while there are people who live their lives buying everything they buy 
at Walmart, it doesn't mean that it's all there is to buy. Just like some people, like Sam Harris, think that they can get all the information they need inside that very protected Twitter bubble. But that's not all the information. You can't get the world's best TV at Walmart. You can't get the world's best bike at Walmart. Maybe you're a gun shopper. You can buy some guns at Walmart, but you can't buy all the guns at Walmart. Sam Harris believes in one-stop shopping for ideas. Everybody that matters to Sam Harris is on Twitter. There is no idea that matters that is not on Twitter. And even some of the ideas on Twitter, those should be discarded as well. And that's why Sam Harris supports censorship. Certainly makes winning arguments inside that bubble a lot easier, doesn't it? Probably agree with most of Trump's politics, in fact. Do I think we should have a secure border? Absolutely. Do I think we should be harder on China? Yes. Do I think that much of the left is in the grip of an insane moral panic? I do. Do I think the phrase defund the police is one of the stupidest ever uttered? Of course. Do I recognize that globalization has produced many casualties in our society? Yes. Am I in favor of onshoring much of our supply chain and energy infrastructure? Yes, I am. Am I appropriately humbled by our misadventures in Afghanistan and Iraq? and now skeptical of our ability to do anything like nation-building? Absolutely. All of this significantly overlaps with Trump's policies and with the political concerns of his supporters. I may be an elitist, globalist, Jew asshole, as many of Trump's supporters now allege, but not only don't I denigrate many of their political concerns, I share them. You got that? That right there is what you call centrist street cred. He has the right positions on a range of issues, all of which are in direct opposition to the global communist agenda he nonetheless supports and thinks is necessary for going forward in the world. So despite the importance of all those issues and understanding which side is on the right side of all those issues. He just can't support Trump because Trump is very mean and very bad and he's a liar and he says mean things and he has mean tweets, none of which Sam Harris actually understands at all or could explain coherently, but he's sure that it's true. It's a fact that it's true regardless of what the underlying facts are. It's important that all of this stuff is taken care of, just not by Trump. In fact, we're going to go with the opposite of Trump, even though it makes all of those issues world crisis level issues. It's still important to support the side who's ruining everything because of Trump. And just like making the liberals crazy, it's not their fault for being crazy and overreacting and being emotional and being thoughtless and immature. That's our fault, too. We have to understand that's how the world is. So if we're going to support Trump, then we can expect more of that. And they will be justified in doing it as a response to the thing we should not be doing. Same thing with the globalists. The things they do are bad and crazy and incredibly destructive. But those are our fault, too, because we chose Trump because we wanted those issues fixed. But he's such a bad person that it causes the communists 
to go even harder on all that terrible stuff. But they're justified in doing it because we're so bad. My real opposition to Trump, beyond all the flaws of his character, which again, I consider to be so far beyond the norm, that I just cannot believe we even have to think about this man. But the thing that makes him truly irredeemable and should have made him politically radioactive for Republicans for the rest of his life is that as a sitting president of the United States, he would not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. He declined to do this repeatedly, many months in advance of the election. I believe this is the most shocking thing to have happened politically in my lifetime. Okay, now this is one of those arguments that communists think is just a knockdown, drag out, 100%. They've just nailed this one. There's nothing you can say in response to this. Trump did not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. Now, what does that mean? Because Trump actually did enable a peaceful transition of power at the end of his first term to the fake president. And of course, they would say, well, what about the very violent insurrection, which they, of course, know none of the details about. They don't know how it happened or why it happened. They don't know that Trump had approved 10 or 20,000 plus National Guard troops to be in D.C. that day to protect the Capitol or they ignore it completely because it refutes their case and they don't like that. But what he's really talking about is that Trump would not commit to respecting the outcome of the election, even if he knew it to be fraudulent. And they tried to run the same thing on him in 2016 when he was going against Hillary. They kept asking, will you respect the outcome of the election? And Trump said, well, if the outcome is fair, if I win, then I will respect the outcome. If I lose, it's because of fraud. And so I won't because no one should respect the outcome of fraudulent elections and the proof for the fraudulent election is overwhelming. The proof for the fraudulent election in 2016 is substantial as well. And we will have plenty more of that for anyone who might doubt it. But he's saying that despite his personal opinions about Trump, which he admits are opinions, even though he qualifies them as factual, the biggest problem with Trump is what he did in the second half of 2020, a full five years after he burst onto the public stage as a political figure. And Sam Harris hated him the entire time and said that everything he was doing was destructive and dishonest the entire time. But really, really what matters is that second half of 2020. That's when he really did the unforgivable. Before that, everything else he did was unforgivable too, but now he's got this thing that he thinks everyone knows and everyone agrees about. Surely Sam Harris has a really important point right here. Donald Trump would not respect the outcome of a free and fair election. The people who don't respect the outcomes of free and fair elections are the people who think that stealing elections is appropriate because the other guy represents an asteroid hurtling at Earth. The people who will basically justify and rationalize any sort of abhorrent morality strictly on the basis that this person and the movement behind them is so dangerous that nothing else matters. Those are the people who don't respect the outcomes of elections. 
The people who steal elections are the ones who don't respect the will of the people, not Donald Trump, who is protecting the will of the people as expressed in those very same elections. And of course, Trump's lack of commitment to the most basic principle of our democracy laid the groundwork for his big lie about having really won the 2020 election and for the violence on January 6th. This single fact, among the thousands of other facts that should have disqualified Trump for the presidency, this fact alone should make Trump impossible to defend, much less support at this point. Now, do you see how the fact of election fraud would destroy this entire argument immediately? In fact, the fact of election fraud destroys all of their arguments immediately, which is why it is the single most important issue imaginable. And it's certainly the single most important issue now. This is why candidates focused on election fraud are winning in their primaries and will win in November because election fraud is a fact. Sam Harris hasn't looked into it. Sam Harris's very serious intellectual friends have told him that he's right. And the TV tells him he's right. And the Atlantic tells him he's right. And so he assumes he must be right. Everybody else has surely checked about whether the election was fraudulent or not. And the fact is, it was not. Therefore, Donald Trump lost. Therefore, Donald Trump is lying about losing. And Sam Harris has now designated that as his single most important argument. His single most important argument that underlies everything else is a complete and total falsehood. And it's a provable falsehood that, first of all, is proven to anyone who is bothered looking with an open mind in any serious way. But it's also one that will be extensively proven to the point where every rational person understands it's true, including Sam Harris. And then what happens? Okay, this is the purpose of intellectual humility so that you don't make mistakes like this. People have said that Sam Harris's career as a very serious public intellectual is over. And I will say that as well. There is an end point for doing what he's doing. And it is as soon as election fraud is proven on that level. And by proven, I mean broadly accepted in culture. It's certainly proven beyond dispute if you are actually looking at it. And many people still have not done that. But this is foundational to everything he believes, and it is what lets him get away with the rest of his nonsense argument. It's why he doesn't have to look into January 6th. It's why he doesn't have to take seriously the movement out there that's happening. All of those people are just malicious, vicious morons. I think vicious morons is what he referred to the entire Trump movement as in the trigonometry interview. And the fact that the Republican Party has found a way to ignore this truth as though it were some tiny detail is proof that it has become a cult of personality. So ignoring the facts of election fraud is what makes this a cult of personality. Sam Harris has ignored the facts of election fraud. He knows absolutely nothing about election fraud. He has just denied its existence the entire time to the point where he doesn't even need to take it seriously. And he thinks that this is an intellectually responsible position. 
he has also just committed himself to saying that whether or not you're in a cult hinges on that claim. Well, Sam Harris is on the wrong side of that. And Sam Harris actually is in a cult. He's in the technocratic transhuman global communist cult. He is a lead member of that cult. He is the sort of person that keeps other members of the cult thinking that they're doing the right thing. And of course, he would say the same about me. But one of us knows the facts of all of these circumstances, and Sam Harris doesn't. And it's truly incredible that he thinks the reason people still care about election fraud is because of the personality cult and not because of how important the truth of that situation is, which he says he understands. This is the real Trump derangement syndrome to be defending the indefensible. What we are witnessing now among Republicans is not normal politics. So when I describe Trump as an existential threat to our democracy, I'm thinking about things like the willingness to abide by the results of an election and the peaceful transfer of power, the very norms that safeguard our democracy. The real Trump derangement is believing all of this stuff that Sam Harris knows is wrong and could only be believed by vicious morons. It's not Sam's Trump derangement that's making him say all these absurd things. It's everyone else who's deranged. That's how powerful our cult leader is. But hey, Sam, how come we're the ones who didn't take the vaccine then? And so then he says that the reason Trump is an existential problem for America is because he doesn't abide by the norm. And apparently Sam believes that society should be based on norms, which is a different version of manners, which is a different version of the party of false decorum. You can't do that, which upsets the powerful people. The powerful people have a set of unwritten laws. They're how you must behave to retain the respect of the powerful community. Forget about what the laws say. Forget about what you're allowed to do within the scope of the laws. You have to abide by the scope of the norms. Even when you can argue that those norms are set up to help the powerful people get more power, more status, more wealth. Sam Harris, as stupid as he now is, is an intellectual supremacist inside the false reality. He has the whole story down inside the false reality, and he believes that because of that, he is much, much better than everyone else, and only people like him or people better than him are qualified to make these sorts of decisions for everyone else. Everyone else. The people can't be trusted to discern truth for themselves. They can't be trusted to spread information and analyze information that can only be done by people like Sam Harris or people better than him. One thing that Trump taught us is that we rely on norms in so many ways and in some ways even more than laws. It's quite possible that all of what Trump did to corrupt and destabilize our institutions was legal. It remains to be seen whether he's committed any crimes at all. 
It remains to be seen whether he's committed any crimes at all. Why isn't that fact leading in Sam Harris's thinking about Donald Trump and the way Sam Harris's segment of society treats Donald Trump and thinks about Donald Trump? They've been trying to pin crimes on him for seven years and they've got absolutely nothing. And he's still saying it remains to be seen as if it's some grand unknown. Certainly Trump must have committed crimes. I mean, he's the most corrupt politician ever and also the stupidest and the biggest grifter. So he must have committed crimes. When are we going to find those crimes? Well, it turns out there's no proof of any crimes so far. But despite that, he breaks the norms. So that's what Trump is really, really bad for breaking norms, particularly his hesitation in saying that he will abide by the results of an election, even when that election is one he knows to be beset by fraud before the election. And he did know, and all of us knew. And that's why I spent the spring and summer and fall of 2020 talking about it on this podcast, all the ways that they were planning to steal the election because they were right out there in the open. Anyone who wanted to look could look unless you were on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. And then you couldn't look because all that information was censored. But Sam Harris doesn't account for any of that. And he doesn't account for the fact that Donald Trump has broken no laws and committed no crimes. All of that stuff just gets wrapped up in the identity of Trump so that whether or not it's true, it doesn't matter because it feels true and it seems true and it matches the rest of their views about Trump who they already hate. Anything Trump does is bad. Anything bad is Trump. And you can repeat the same with Trump supporters and science deniers and QAnons and anti-vax people and climate deniers. It's the same thing always. It's a hate movement. It's only about the hate. It's only about the opinions. It's only about the self-image of these people. It's not about what he did or didn't do. It's not about making rational adult arguments. They're upset. They're very sad. They're very triggered. And that's what matters more than anything else. You can't make these people feel bad ever. Now, I'm going to begin skipping around a little more because I understand that this is going pretty long. I didn't want for it to, but I really, really want to address all this stuff because Sam Harris basically pulls all the tricks that liberals pull in these conversations. So I'm going to jump ahead. We're about 16 and a half minutes right now, and I'm going to jump up to about 23 and a half minutes in the middle of the section that I'm skipping at 1830. He once again says he's going to play the clip. He first said it at eight minutes in, and he kept going with his prologue to his explanation And then he says it again at 18 and a half minutes in, and then he waits till after 20 minutes to finally play the clip he's talking about, which is the one I played for you before. And the word he's going to focus on in his explanation is the word warranted. He said that whatever it took was warranted, the censorship, the burying of the Biden laptop story, all of that was warranted. And what he should have said Now, in retrospect, is that it was justifiable 
you see, and those are different. It just means that one could be argued for. And Sam Harris is more than happy to make that argument. And he spends the entire podcast defending that argument. But it would have been better if he chose a different word so that you couldn't actually argue about this so that he would have only made the half claim that it was justifiable, not that it was definitely warranted, but just that it was maybe warranted. You could make a case that it's warranted. That's the distinction that he's relying on for all of this. And after you make that distinction, then he can just fall back on the underlying arguments, which is that Trump is terrible. He's disinformation. He's uh, completely selfish. He would never sacrifice himself for anyone. This is all about the glorification of Trump. He's a very bad person. He's lying. He's breaking our norms. And he's telling the big lie, which Sam Harris, of course, uses, even though he sounds like a 36-year-old gender studies graduate from Wellesley with pink hair and too many cats. As far as the laptop story is concerned, the other point I should have made is that viewing the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation or some other sort of disinformation was quite reasonable when the story first broke. So I'm not at all convinced that Twitter knew it was shutting down a real story or even that the New York Times knew it was ignoring a real one. So I don't think any early claims of Russian disinformation were necessarily lies. And I actually have no opinion about whether the 50 intelligence professionals who signed that letter alleging that it was probably Russian disinformation were lying. They might not have been. This totally crazy story. A laptop from hell just gets abandoned in a computer store and then winds up with who? Rudy Giuliani? My claim is that given what happened in 2016 with Anthony Weiner's laptop, 10 days before the election, it is totally understandable that smart, well-intentioned people were inclined to avert their eyes from the Hunter Biden story until after the election. Sam Harris does not know he has no opinion on whether or not the 51 former intelligence officials who signed that letter saying that Hunter's laptop had all the makings of a Russian disinformation operation. He has no idea whether or not they're lying, even though some of them have provably lied to Congress, including Michael Hayden, who Sam Harris has had on his show. He takes their word for it. They didn't know. They were just acting responsibly. The FBI got Hunter Biden's laptop In December of 2019, the FBI knew that Hunter Biden's laptop was real. They'd had it for 10 months before the story dropped in the New York Post in the run up to the 2020 election. There was no doubt about whether or not the laptop was Russian disinformation. They put that out there so the media would write about it. And they didn't even say that it was. They said it had all the markings, all the makings of a Russian disinformation operation. So he doesn't have to form an opinion on that. He doesn't actually have to find out whether or not those intelligence officials were lying about that. And they obviously were because the only other alternative is that they are too ignorant to be able to write letters like that. The acting DNI at the time, John Ratcliffe, came out and said that Hunter Biden's laptop was real. They have no reason to believe that it was Russian disinformation. These people knew 
that the laptop was real and that it was Hunter Biden's. The FBI had it. The FBI didn't work with these former intelligence officials. Not at all, huh? The FBI went to Facebook and Twitter and told them to look out for Russian disinformation operations. Joe Rogan asked Mark Zuckerberg about that last week. Hey, is it this story they were warning you about? And Zuckerberg says, no. And then he says, I don't know. Really? You don't remember a meeting like that? You're not sure? Or are you just waiting to see what ends up coming out? Or are we going to say that the intelligence officials were also deceived by the FBI? Is that what we're going to say? Sam Harris doesn't care. He doesn't need to have an opinion on that point. And if it turns out that he's wrong, well, he had no opinion. And he, then he would believe his argument would just stand up besides that. But it doesn't. The argument falls apart without that. It's a coordinated effort to keep an important issue out of the public spotlight in the lead up to an election. That is election interference by our intelligence agencies. And Sam Harris doesn't think that's a big deal at all because of Trump University and disinformation and my norms. I was. From my point of view, it was totally rational at that point not to care what was on Hunter Biden's laptop. And the truth is, I still don't care, given that Trump is looming over the 2024 election. He didn't know what was on the laptop then. He realized it wasn't important. Nothing that could be on that laptop could ever be worse than Trump University. So it's not worth looking. And he still doesn't care. He still hasn't looked. He still hasn't bothered to find out what's on that laptop. There's been plenty of reporting about it. Not, a, not enough plenty, but more than enough for Sam Harris to have figured out why it matters. But he hasn't looked into it. And he doesn't plan to because it doesn't matter. Especially with Trump potentially running again. He's going to need to not know what's on Hunter Biden's laptop in two years time if Trump runs again. Sam Harris is arguing for his active participation in his own ignorance. This is supposed to be the galaxy brain of the communists. This is supposed to be the very serious centrist intellectual. But political corruption if it exists on the Biden laptop, does it matter next to Trump? So Sam Harris wasn't saying that all of that was warranted, that conspiracy to steal the election, that very real conspiracy, which he says is not left wing. Oh, it's left and right wing because some Republicans participated in it. Therefore, it can't be bad. They agree with me. So I'm not bad. That conspiracy that was only justifiable and not quite warranted, he should never have said anything that concrete, is still nonetheless warranted two years from now when he does the same thing by not looking. And in Sam Harris's little tiny child brain, all of this makes sense. And he's about to tell you why. What you're about to hear is the coup de grace of the failure of elite intellectualism. Given the choice we had in 2020, given how much we know about both Trump and Biden, stretching back decades, there is absolutely nothing that could be on that laptop that is relevant to me. And I'll explain why in a moment. So Sam Harris's key point is that if Joe Biden was actually bad, 
we would already know it because the media has been following him throughout his career. Now, there is plenty of coverage on Joe Biden being exceedingly bad in countless ways that is out there and that people were able to see throughout 2020 if you weren't on a censored platform and you could have seen it throughout the history of Joe Biden's reporting for however old you are because he's been doing bad things for that long. Since his formative years as a Delaware senator being mentored in politics by Robert Byrd, who is a leader in the KKK, Joe Biden has done bad things. He has sold his office in Delaware. He has turned his children into complete and total degenerates who have no hope virtually of any sort of redemption or happy life. And they admit it. But what does it mean that Sam Harris thinks that issue is just done and dusted? We don't need to look into Joe Biden's past because we would already know if it was bad. Once again, he's giving himself excuses for his own intellectual laziness and his own biases. He doesn't think anything that's on the laptop could be as important as Trump University, because if it was, the media would have told us that is what all of them argue about everything they don't know. They really believe that the media is looking out for them. They believe that because they think the people on TV are people like them or people better than them. And either way, they know that those kinds of people couldn't put one over on people like them. Smart people. You understand? Because they're smart, they know that they couldn't be lied to by the media. Therefore, what the media is saying is true. And what the media avoids saying is done because it's not worth saying. If it was important, they'd tell us. And they're not telling us, therefore it's important. In fact, they're saying that this thing everyone else thinks is so important is not important. And so why waste your time figuring out whether they're right? They wouldn't lie to people like us. And what kind of privilege imagines that to be the state of the world? And I'm sincerely asking for the side of people who talk so much about privilege and how If nothing else of the woke conversation matters, at least we should be accounting for the particular privileges we might have that might lead us to see things different if we happen to be someone else. Now, Sam Harris doesn't care about that in an intellectual sense. He accepts that they wouldn't lie to people like him because what they're trying to do the most is help people like him. Help people with his viewpoints, help them get their viewpoints out, help them make their viewpoints the only ones that are accepted. That's their entire purpose. And Sam Harris, understanding that, approves of that because it does help him. So it's good. It's good that they do this. If there was something bad on the laptop, the media would have told him just like they would have told him about the rest of Joe Biden's history if it had been bad. And they haven't said it, so it's probably not that important. And either way, it's not worth looking. If you look and everything's as you believe it to be, well, then you've wasted your time. And Sam Harris is too important for that. But if you look and find out 
that it's all really, really bad, well, then you might have to begin accepting that you're wrong about everything. And Sam Harris doesn't have that ability. And he goes on to explain this. He talks about how the New York Times made a decision to not report on it, but that's not illegal. Twitter censoring it, that's not illegal either. 51 former intelligence officials lying about it or not lying about it. Well, that's also not illegal. They were just all doing what they thought was right at the time because, you know, we need content moderation. Otherwise, everything turns into 4chan and you get QAnon lunatics just saying whatever they want out there in the world. Does Sam Harris know anything about Q? Of course not. He would never look. The media already told him how bad Q is. And it's only stupid people who believe in it or who pay any attention to it. So it's pointless. So we'll just ignore that. Is there a uh, counter narrative to January 6th? Yes, but it's by crazy people. So we got to ignore it. Is there a case that there was overwhelming evidence of election fraud? Not on the scale of a few thousand votes that would have flipped enough states for Donald Trump to win in the Electoral College, but hundreds of thousands of votes in different states, millions and millions of votes overall. Well, yes, there is proof of that, but it can't be true or the media would have told us so we can ignore that as well. Is there proof of vaccine damage? Is there proof that the vaccines aren't safe and effective? Yep, sure. There's tons of proof of all that, but we can ignore it because the TV would have told us. And now that the TV's telling us, by the way, that doesn't confirm that we were right before. Just ask Scott Adams. That actually confirms that the media is still reliable at the end of the day. Because sure, there was a year and a half that went by where they did lie about it while millions of people were injecting themselves with the experimental gene therapy. But now that there's enough information and it's everywhere, now the media can tell us and that's how they're protecting us and protecting themselves. They were the rational actors the whole time, just like Scott Adams. We were reacting to disinformation, but the science has changed. And now we're still reacting to disinformation while people like Sam Harris are finally realizing the scientific truth that took a long time to arrive. Or maybe it's just that the science has changed. I mean, actually, the insurrection on January 6th is perfectly Trump. This is exactly the kind of coup you would expect to be associated with the man. Not really a coup at all. There's no question he was trying to disrupt the certification of the election. He was trying to bully Pence and Congress by sending that mob to the Capitol. But when they breach the Capitol, what happens? They just wander around in their costumes, smearing shit on the walls and taking selfies and stealing mementos from Nancy Pelosi's office. This is Trump. You see, the coup wasn't really a coup at all. It's only a Donald Trump-style coup. Stupid and incompetent. Sure, Trump made the country great, made the economy run smoothly. There were no wars. We were having the problems at the border fixed. The middle class and the poor, they were all being raised up in their financial status. But Donald Trump is incompetent too incompetent to even stage a coup. It was just meant to bully Mike Pence, to bully people into objecting to the overwhelming fraud that took place. But it was 
a Trump operation. So it's complete and total failure, just utter incompetence. What happened was his supporters went around and did what his supporters do. They smeared their own feces on the walls of our sacred democracy, the citadel of our sacred democracy. And they smeared their poo poo on the walls, except nobody did that. Sam Harris just hates us. That is hate. Okay. He knows these people are rotting in prison cells in D.C., and he thinks it's fine because they're the sort of people who would smear their poo-poo on the walls of uh, the citadel of our sacred democracy. Oh, these incompetent coup plotters. They just walked around taking selfies, but now they rot in jail. And to Sam Harris, that's totally justified. He hasn't spoken out, to my knowledge, against any aspect of the very violent insurrection. He still uses it as foundational in his belief that Donald Trump is an existential threat based on his violating of norms. So illegal imprisonment without trial is no problem in Sam Harris's world, but people taking selfies in the Capitol are. But of course, that would sound ridiculous. So instead, he reminds you how disrespectful they were by claiming falsely that people were smearing their poo-poo on the walls. Oh, and they took a memento from Nancy Pelosi's office. Is that what it was? It was a memento or was it Nancy Pelosi's laptop? Oh yeah, it was her laptop, but don't worry. It only had presentations on it. That's what we were told. So that's probably not going to come back and bite people like Sam Harris at all. Sam Harris is basically just walking through a red pill session. It's to the point where Sam Harris is so bad at being Sam Harris that I think he must be some kind of double agent trying intentionally to wake up the sleepiest people who are in his audience. The real essence of Trump was that he figured out how to raise hundreds of millions of dollars from his supporters amid all this chaos. He monetized the absolute degradation of our institutions. That's Trump. Uh, no, man. People continue to donate to Trump because Trump is the leader of the America First movement, of the MAGA movement, of the sovereign America movement, the economic nationalist movement that says our American government should promote America's interests first. That's it. It's not complicated. We continue to donate to Donald Trump and Trump supported candidates because they are doing the things we want them to do, which is the entire purpose of representative government. It's not so they can tell us what to think, what to believe and what to do. It's so we can tell them that's the system, Sam. The people are the government. We don't have to protect the government from the people. The government doesn't have to protect itself from the people. The people are the government. The people are the decision makers. That's why we care about free and fair elections, where one person's vote counts for one vote, where only people who are real, legal American citizens who are eligible to vote are allowed to vote. That's what we care about. So there's no problem with a slippery slope. Everything we do or don't do can be proportionate to the moment. And I certainly think it was rational to hope in 2020 that merely trying to force good information to win over bad information would be sufficient to keep Trump from the presidency. And I maintain that hope for 2024. 
Nothing in that space is illegal, and nothing entails lying. I think that Sam Harris, despite his self-image as someone who understands all of the tenets of philosophy and understands how rational and logical argument works, Sam Harris doesn't know what a slippery slope is. Sam Harris literally just said there's no slippery slope problem here because you can justify it at every position as you go down the slope. But in fact, that is exactly the problem with the slippery slope. He's always using the initial justification to justify every position on the slope as you go down it. The problem with saying it's okay to censor critical information in an election cycle to benefit one party based on this underlying rationalization of Trump's imminent danger is that you can then justify anything else after that. And just because you can continue justifying everything else, just because you will make the argument as you slide down the slope the whole time. No, Trump's really that bad. 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 Well, Sam, now you're at the bottom of the slope and you're justifying everything. That's the problem with slippery slope arguments. That is exactly the problem. That's why they're fallacious. That's why they're ridiculous. So it actually does matter because now you find yourself rationalizing all sorts of truly immoral, abhorrent society, destructive forces and actions. That is what you are doing, Sam Harris. And because no one embraces the false reality more than you do, all of your arguments are a complete inversion of normal morality and the empirical observable reality we can all see around us. It is totally detached from reality. It is a complete moral inversion, and he's not even shy about it. He thinks it's one of his best qualities. If I'm willing to ignore information, then I'm willing to suppress information. And if I'm willing to do that, I must be willing to lie. And if I'm willing to lie, I must be willing to commit outright election fraud by stuffing ballot boxes and rigging voting machines. There's no natural stopping point if I think Trump is an asteroid hurtling toward Earth, right? Wouldn't you do anything to stop an asteroid? Sam Harris just explained how he can go all the way down the slippery slope, but he's still trying to say he wouldn't go that far, even though he just made the entire argument that people make for ignoring election fraud. They say they don't think it happened. And if it did happen, it couldn't have been big enough to swing the election. And so it's better not to look because the result is what really matters. But he is willing to suppress information. He is willing to lie. He is willing to rationalize everything that would keep Trump out of office. And he is also denying that election fraud exists, which is the justification for him ignoring the existence of a. If I thought Trump was literally the next Hitler, I should want him assassinated. Is that even controversial to say? Is there anyone who doesn't wish that one of the plots against Hitler had succeeded? Unless you're a Nazi or just crazy, you too wish that Hitler had been assassinated. And as I said, I think our killing of Osama bin Laden was totally justified. 
But I don't think Trump is Hitler or anything like him. I think he's a person like Alex Jones, and I said that on that podcast. It's like we elected Alex Jones president. I think he's a person like L. Ron Hubbard, without Hubbard's astounding typing ability. Making Trump president was a disaster for our country. But it was not the same sort of disaster that started World War II and sent millions of people to death camps. What would I expect if Trump got elected again in 2024? The further unraveling of America's stature in the world. A further descent into the chaos of conspiracy thinking and lies here at home. A further derangement politically on more or less every topic. Irrational fury and demagoguery and blasphemy tests on both the right and the left. More grifting and humiliating norm violations from Trump and his family. Massive opportunity costs on more or less every front. Because while all that's going on, we're going to be very distracted from every other important thing. I think all of this will be terrible for America. So Trump's not Hitler then? Trump's worse than Osama bin Laden, but just as a person, not in the things that he believes or does, because those things were actually totally okay for America. In fact, Sam Harris supports a bunch of them, but he's not quite Hitler. So Sam Harris will stop short of rationalizing and justifying his assassination, even though Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA, who's been on Sam Harris's show, says exactly that. Where exactly would Sam Harris draw the line? There is no line to be drawn in Sam Harris's worldview. Trump is the worst because he's the worst. Trump supporters are the worst because Trump is the worst. And we know all this because if it was any other way, if the other side was actually worse, the TV would have told us. And all of that is fine because there's no way that the side that Sam Harris supports is actually doing all the things that the Nazis do, like medical experimentation and segregation and the targeting of specific groups based on their identity characteristics and censorship and propaganda and false flags to justify the censorship as part of the propaganda. There is actually no part of what the Nazis did that the current global communist order does not have as an active part of their agenda. And Sam Harris still thinks that we must support that side at all costs. And I think he mentioned before that people have come at him as a globalist Jew asshole. Well, yeah, the Jewish part might not be the critical part. But the globalist and the asshole part actually do kind of matter. The globalist part is the big problem. The Jewish part is just how you are defending yourself from the other claims. You have to add in that you're the victim of racism while supporting the global communist agenda. But let's get back to Joe Biden. That's when I said that there's no possible scandal involving kickbacks from China or Ukraine to Biden that could outweigh Trump's corruption. How can I say such a thing? Okay, well, obviously, I'm not saying that it would be a good thing if Biden were corrupt in this way. I'm saying it wouldn't matter in a forced choice between him and a president who had repeatedly said that he might not accept the results of an election or support a peaceful transfer of power. But there's this underlying question. 
Why do I know that Biden couldn't be nearly as corrupt as Trump without examining the contents of his son's laptop? Because both of these guys have been living in public for nearly as long as I've been alive. We know a tremendous amount about both of them, going back over 40 years. It's like, what if a story broke suggesting that Biden had cheated on his tax returns? Would I care about that? Not 10 days before the 2020 election, I wouldn't. Because I know at a glance that whatever Biden could get up to in tax avoidance, it would be absolutely obliterated by comparison with what Trump has done. We know so much about the day-to-day lives of these two men. The same could be said about sexual scandals. And there was a Me Too allegation against Biden. Should it have mattered? Not for the 2020 election, it shouldn't have. Because Trump had him beat, something like 29 to 1, and with far more credible and disturbing allegations. The 2020 election was a forced choice, and the clock was ticking. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, and I wasn't a fan of Hillary Clinton. I'm a fan of a normal range of political and ethical chaos. Trump lives far outside that range. If Joe Biden was bad, the TV would have told us. That is what he is arguing. He doesn't need to look on the laptop because at a glance, he knows that there's no problem there that amounts to Donald Trump. But don't worry, this isn't a slippery slope problem where Sam Harris just finds himself justifying and rationalizing all sorts of terrible behavior based on all of these preconceived incorrect notions that he has based on the hate movement that he is clearly a part of. He knows at a glance that it's no problem. So he got a little money from this country or he got a little money from that country. What's the big deal? Well, they give him that money to do certain things. And the things that they give him the money for, the things that he did, the influence he actually wielded, all benefited the global communist order, the most powerful people in the world. Joe Biden was helping them achieve their political ends in exchange for money. He was selling out his elected office for money to our foreign adversaries. People like Sam Harris don't think corruption is a problem because they think it's just some guy getting paid to maybe just kind of grease the wheels a little bit. But that's not what it is. He knows that Joe Biden was credibly accused of sexual assault by Tara Reid, but didn't care because of the number of claims against Trump that were media generated. The biggest of those was Stormy Daniels with Michael Avenatti who they all fell right in line with. Turns out not to be true. Avenatti's in prison as a fraud. Stormy Daniels owes Donald Trump half a million dollars. But all those claims are still true, and it's 29 to 1, so we don't need to worry about Biden's. Sam Harris is now excusing and denying credible claims of sexual assault and rape. That's not something we did. We looked into all those claims. If they were true, we'd still be looking into them. We would still care, but they're not true and they're not credible and they didn't go anywhere. They have been trying this with Trump for seven years and their biggest attempt with Stormy Daniels turned out to be an out and out lie. Sam Harris believes the media is protecting him. 
He believes the media is doing its job to the best of its ability, while it may be a little bit biased. And he believes that Fox and Breitbart are on the other side and not wholly part of the central narrative. He believes that is the competition because, again, he doesn't know anything that happens outside of the bubble. He trusts the media in full. The truth is, given the nature of my audience, this thing that appears to be a 20 megaton problem to my detractors on the right is a total non-issue for me. And it will be a non-issue if something similar happens on the left. Because I've deliberately built my platforms to be immune from backlash from the right or the left. And those of you who subscribe to the podcast make that possible. Again, congratulations, Sam Harris. You did build your platform in a fortified way. And I respect that. I'm trying to do the same thing with my platform. Now, other platforms will take me down. So I don't have the advantage of saying only things that are approved of by the world's most powerful people and institutions. But Sam Harris does, and he relies on a supporter and subscriber model, which I'm sure is very profitable for him and good for him. He's putting out a product. People want to pay for that product and people do that. That's him doing that. He's allowed to reap the rewards of that. If I get to that point, Financially, where this show begins making me a lot of money, I'm going to put it back into the show and make it bigger and better and have more people on, build out a studio, do live streaming, be able to fly people in like Rogan does. That'll be fantastic. Or like Tim Pool does. I can't wait till those days if and when they come. But in the meantime, Sam Harris is already not subject to censorship. And Sam Harris believes that this fact alone, that he can still be supported by his listeners, makes this not a problem for him. The problem isn't that you're going to get canceled, Sam, that you're not going to have your public image the way you used to have it all shiny. The problem is that you're wrong and you're very publicly wrong. You're very publicly wrong about a series of really important issues and you have absolutely no idea about that. That is a problem for a public intellectual. And if it hasn't been yet, Just wait. But there's one thing Sam Harris says as he's wrapping up this podcast, this cleanup operation that will blow your mind. And here it is. There are no sponsors to drop me. There are no executives having a meeting now wondering what to do about all the controversy on Twitter. There will be no forthcoming hostage video of me apologizing to all the people I may have offended. It is a wonderful thing to simply be free to think out loud, and to be free to correct the record when something gets garbled. And I truly know how lucky I am. I wish everyone was in this position. The man who argues in favor of censorship says he truly wishes everyone else could have the same thing, that same ability to speak out freely with what they believe, and correct the record if something gets garbled. Just not if you have the wrong position, according to Sam Harris. If that's the case, then you should be held off the internet and not allowed to make your case anywhere. You shouldn't have a platform. And definitely this applies to Donald Trump. Donald Trump should not be able to make his case anywhere. 
but it's not a hate movement. And Sam Harris doesn't hate Donald Trump and he doesn't hate the supporters. And this also isn't a slippery slope of rationalization and justification for terrible moral ills. Sam Harris would never engage in any of that, you see, because Sam Harris is one of the good ones. He's one of the smart ones. He's a very serious intellectual. And I didn't mean for this to be the longest podcast ever, but if you're still with me now, I want to close this out the way I intended to. And that's with some of the reaction. And I'm not talking about left wing freak out or right wing freak out about what Sam Harris said. I'm talking about the people who we imagine are in the center or maybe even center right. This first one is from the guy on the left who's always needling the left. Not enough to make anyone move away from the left, not enough to have people take the positions of the other side seriously, not enough to look outside the bubble, but he's going to needle them a little bit. And of course, I'm talking about Bill Maher. He had Rob Reiner and Senator Amy Klobuchar on, and he asked about the Biden laptop. So he's saying it's okay to have a conspiracy to get rid of somebody as bad as Trump. It's a little bit of a thorny question because once you go down this road, this is sort of where we are in this country. The other side is so evil, anything is justified in preventing them from taking office. Is it? No, no. You know what's not justified? Using armed violence to try to kill people in the Capitol. That's not justified. Answer this question. Huh? Is it, was it, answer this question. Well, it was the it appropriate, the question is, was, was it press? appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. Well, and, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. That's not true. Well, then you would know about this. I do know about that. Well, you're acting I do, like you I do, I do know about that, and I do watch Fox. But the point is, uh, you, we're going to prove now that, they, that, they, that the, the press uh, play, you know, tried to... They're admitting it. They're, the press is a, admitting it. Yes, that's not even an issue anymore. They're saying, yes, we basically did this because we didn't want this to throw the election. Yes? I don't know that they've all said this. And I, I believe I, I, I believe. Well, the New York Times definitely did. My dad was a reporter. I believe in it. And I think you have to you have to make sure that you're treating people fairly. But I think Rob's point here is that we are dealing um, with a man who used to be the president right now, who literally tried to lead an armed insurrection. Now, isn't that incredible? Bill Maher talks about how Sam Harris said it was okay to have a conspiracy to make sure that Donald Trump loses the election, even if it means covering up this story and censoring anyone who talks about it. And Rob Reiner, his first reaction is to say, well, but are you justifying an armed insurrection? Well, first of all, it wasn't armed. No guns were recovered from that day. The people were not armed. They just were not armed. It is not an armed insurrection. It's not any kind of insurrection, but it's certainly not an armed insurrection. And then the conversation devolves into whether or not it's appropriate to censor. And then Amy Klobuchar jumps in that her father was a journalist or something. So that means that she respects the First Amendment and freedom of the press. 
What does that have to do with anything? They immediately moved away from the actual discussion, which is, is it okay to have a conspiracy to suppress information and win an election because the citizens are left in the dark about something really important? And they try to distract with the insurrection. But in no case there did they talk about what's actually on the laptop, which is what matters. And let's get the view from the cucked Daily Wire right. It's been labeled the big lie, the idea that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election thanks to voter fraud and the attempts by the left to create an almost global conspiracy to deny him the presidency. The, the folks who suggest that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, one of the reasons they suggest that is because they say, well, the left had the motive, the means and the opportunity. And that is the that is the argument that I have heard. And it is the strongest argument that they make, because the truth is that there's no way to prove that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election based on the vote count. There's no way to actually show that fraudulent voters were present in the sort of numbers that would have overturned the results in many of these states. The best that you can say in favor of the idea that the 2020 election was rigged is that it was sort of informally and, and generically rigged in the sense that the media denied people the access to the information that would have needed to change their votes, in the sense that the rules were actively changed, in some cases, like in Pennsylvania, against the Constitution of the state of Pennsylvania in order to make it easier for people to vote absentee. But Ben Shapiro arguing that election fraud is the big lie. The only case is that they had the means, the motivation and the opportunity to do it. And that they actually did change the law outside the bounds of the Constitution and still certified that state's election anyway. And it's not just Pennsylvania, of course. It's all the states. Pennsylvania is the only one who's seen that all the way through and it's heading to the Supreme Court. But Wisconsin has also deemed their election illegitimate. They said that hundreds of thousands of ballots that went through drop boxes and other means should not have been counted. Those are fraudulent votes. What do you think those are? They're just like slight mistakes. Oh, they shouldn't have been counted, but it's okay. They did. And it's too late now. This is the guy that many people quote unquote on our side think is very smart. Ben Shapiro is the rational voice for Republicans. He's the respectable viewpoint. And he goes on to say that Sam Harris has poured gasoline on the raging fire of election denial. Ben Shapiro realizes and recognizes that election denial is a huge problem, and he's going to do everything he can in his whiny little voice to make sure that that problem goes bye bye, that nobody ever thinks about election fraud ever again, because there's just no way it could have happened. Certainly not to the degree that it could have changed the outcome of of an election. Yes, they had the motivation and the means and the opportunity, but they just didn't do it. Certainly in no way that can be proven. And if we can't prove it to the degree that Ben Shapiro requires, then we should stop looking at it. And that's what Ben Shapiro has done. And then he goes and plays the clip of Sam Harris on that podcast. And here is his reaction to that afterward. I mean, that, that's an amazing statement there from Sam Harris. So he openly says, OK, so there are people who are complaining that the Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed by the media. Right. So he's not even talking right now about election fraud. He's talking about what sort of information could and should be suppressed in order to effectuate an election win for Joe Biden. And he even says, what if on that laptop 
had been the stuff that a lot of right-wingers suspect about Joe Biden, which is that he was getting direct kickbacks from Hunter Biden for corrupt activities in Ukraine and China, right? Because that, that is the, the gravest accusation on the laptop. Forget about Hunter Biden smoking crack off, off hookers' asses and all the rest. The stuff that people really are concerned about with regard to Joe Biden is not the fact that Hunter Biden is a drug-addicted derelict and a horrible person. The thing that people are really concerned about in terms of the presidency is, was Hunter Biden traveling overseas to China, receiving massive amounts of money from the Chinese government, and then kicking back 10% to the big guy, the big guy being Joe, right? That would actually be really troubling because that would be significantly worse than anything that was even proved about Donald Trump, right? Like way worse. But what he's saying, what, what Sam Harris is saying is even if that stuff were true about Joe Biden and China or Joe Biden and Ukraine, if it turned out that Joe Biden is everything we said Donald Trump was, but could never prove, that still would not justify allowing information to flow freely to the American people. It would not allow people to see that information because it's so important to stop Trump, right? Trump is so bad. He's an asteroid hurtling toward Earth that it doesn't matter what you have to do to stop that asteroid. It doesn't matter if you call it a conspiracy, not a conspiracy. None of that matters. The idea here is that you have to mold the minds of the American people to prevent Donald Trump from being president of the United States. So Ben Shapiro thinks that Sam Harris's position is crazy. But where was Ben Shapiro at that time? Was he trying to get to the bottom of it? Has he tried since then? Where was he when it comes to election fraud? Where was Ben Shapiro when it came to covid or masks or lockdowns or the vaccines? He supported all of that. Ben Shapiro went right to the middle, right to the heart of the central narrative and ate it all up. If it was wrong, surely the TV would have told him. Sure, there were scientists all over the place saying, hey, all this is wrong. All this is anti-scientific. But that stuff was all believed by the no-no people. And the no-no people are bad. And because the no-no people are bad, the no-no people are also stupid and wrong. That's just a factor of them being bad. Which means we have to ignore all that science because the no-no people could never be right. So get more vaccines. And that's what Ben Shapiro did. The insurrection. Has he taken down the insurrection? No. Election fraud doesn't matter. He's very conservative when it comes to the woke stuff and critical race theory and the gender agenda and the climate change nonsense. But you just can't prove that the election was stolen. So it's not worth looking. And who is Ben Shapiro's audience at this point? It's people coming out of their leftist Trump induced fever, their Trump derangement syndrome that Ben Shapiro shares with them. Of course not. He's not advancing anything for these people. He's making them feel more comfortable where they are. Where are all of the Daily Wire people? Why aren't they on Truth Social? Where are they on alternative social media platforms? They're nowhere to be found. Where is the media from the right? Why aren't they tr on Truth Social? Honestly, at this point, who is their audience? Why don't they want to talk to or hear from the entire base of the movement they still imagine they're part of? And perhaps they don't, by the way. Maybe they're willing to sell out the whole thing and just become the global communist party. And if they would do that, I would be happy. I would rather have them own it than lie about it. They already represent the uniparty. Their interests are uniparty interests. They support uniparty positions about absolutely all of it. Show me where they differ. Oh, they're going to say this or that about the gender stuff, the woke stuff. So they're not fully in there. 
They still support the entire system. They know what it is, but they just can't dirty themselves with the no-no people because that's when you step outside the party of false decorum. That's when your Twitter protection goes away. That's when your mass media organization might have to shift its focus. And they've spent so much time branding themselves as the real rational conservatives. If Bill Gates himself was funding Daily Wire as a controlled opposition organization, we would not be able to tell the difference between that scenario and what's happening there now. And that's the same thing with Joe Rogan, by the way. He asked Zuckerberg about the Biden laptop. Zuckerberg admitted that the FBI advised him that there may be Russian disinformation inbound, and he accepted their explanation and acted in a corresponding way, but he didn't ask Mark Zuckerberg about the half a billion dollars that Zuckerberg spent rigging the election in all of the ways we describe. How did Rogan miss that? Oh, he just didn't know. He's just a uh, pot smoking jujitsu guy. You can't expect him to know about truly important issues like that before he goes out and talks about them to 12 million people. It's getting a little late in the game to keep pretending that these people are having a positive effect on the culture. We'd be better off if when people realized they were being lied to by the mainstream media, they would reject all of what's in that bubble, not just go a little further to one of the edges and start listening to people who are going to keep them trapped inside the same bubble. And that's what these people are doing. Bill Maher's not brave. Ben Shapiro's not brave. Joe Rogan's not brave. They all have virtually the same position as Sam Harris, and they make virtually the same arguments to maintain that position. And yes, they market them to slightly different people. So the language is a little different. They might disagree about this position or that position, but all of the effect is the same. They have been wrong about every single thing that has mattered in the last two and a half years as this country experiences no fewer than two of the greatest concurrent crises this country has ever experienced. And you can layer on a bunch more if you want, but election fraud and the pandemic nonsense, those are the two greatest concurrent crises this country has ever faced. We are now in a multi-front, multi-level war, and the world is changing from the liberal world order, the global world order, to a multipolar order. And none of these people are even interacting with that reality. These are not great intellectuals. These are the sorts of people who guarantee that you will be constantly behind in every bit of decision-making you could engage in that could actually affect your life. These people are not on your side. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. 
comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!